There's a voice calling me from an old rugged tree, and it whispers, draw closer to me. Leave this world far behind. There are new heights to climb, and a new place in me you shall find. Then whatever it takes to be more like you, that's what I'll be willing to do. And whatever it takes for my will to break, that's what I'll be willing to do. I give my houses and my lands, change my dreams and my plans, for I am placing my whole life in your hands. And if you call me today to a land far away, Lord, I'll go and your will obey. I'll trade sunshine for rain, comfort for pain. That's what I'll be willing to do for whatever it takes to be more like you. That's what I'll be willing to do. I want to share a few minutes this morning on whatever it takes. Share this morning a little side note. How much does it cost? There was a moment in the life of Jesus when the disciples were inquiring of him, what's it going to cost to be a follower? What's it going to cost to be a believer? What's it going to cost to do something great for you? And Jesus simply replied, it's going to cost you everything. When I reflect on the lives of those disciples, I'm reminded of Matthew, who was killed in Ethiopia by a sword wound. I'm reminded of Luke, who was hanged by a tree in Greece. I'm reminded of Peter and his wife crucified upside down because Peter didn't feel like he was worthy to be crucified the same way that Jesus was crucified. John was boiled in oil and survived. It freaked him out so bad they placed him on the island. And there he wrote the book of Revelation, the only disciple to live an extended life. James was thrown off the wall of the temple, fell a hundred feet and survived, and then was beaten to death with a club. History says where he was, where he was cast was the same place that Satan confronted Jesus and tried to get him to bow. James, the son of Zebedee, was beheaded as a soldier was leading him to his execution. James continued to preach. The soldier got under conviction, gave his heart to God, and was beheaded along with James. I'm reminded of Bartholomew. In Turkey, he was flailed to death by a whip. I look at the life of Andrew, crucified on an X-shaped cross. They tied his hands and his feet to prolong death. And for two days, as he hung on that cross, he preached the gospel of Christ. He made this statement on the way to his death. I have long desired and expected this happy hour. Mark in Alexandria, Egypt was dragged by horses through the streets of, Egypt, of Alexandria. 
before he died. Thomas was stabbed with a spear in India. Jude was killed with an arrow. Matthias, the disciple that was chosen to replace Judas, was stoned and then beheaded. And then I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul, who was tortured and then beheaded for his call to Christ. What's it going to cost? Late 60s, there was a song that was introduced to America that simply said, Sunshine, go away today. I don't feel much like dancing. Some man's come. He's trying to ruin my life. I don't know what he's asking. How much does it cost? I'll buy it. The time is all we lost. I'll try it. Pastor Ron, I have a friend. He's in heaven now, a millionaire. He commented to me one time. He said, if you have to ask how much it costs, you can't afford it. I don't know about all that, but there are things in my life that I've seen that I could care less what it costs. And one of, one of those is a new DP double barrel shotgun. <laughs> when I saw it, the cost was insignificant. I had to have it. But this morning, I want to tell you, the New Testament church died for their testimony, were martyred. There's an incredible book. I'm so surprised that Hollywood has not taken this book and made a movie of it. But if you have a couple hours next week, I encourage you to read Fox's Book of Martyrs. As you hear of all the stories of men and women who counted the cost and paid the price, it cost them everything to be what God has called them to be. But we're in a new season today. This is a new generation. This is a new anointing. This is a new enlightenment. We're in a generation, we're in a day where God wants to bless his children and he wants them to be successful. God wants you to be successful. He's not asking you this morning to die for him. He's not asking you to be boiled in oil or stabbed with a spear or drugged by horses. But God is asking you to live for him and enjoy all the benefits that he has for you. Can anybody relate today? Amen. When I look at the word success, I realize one definition is simply the attainment of a goal or an accomplishment. The attainment of a goal or an accomplishment. What is success? To have a goal and to pursue it and acquire it, that's one definition of success. The definition of failure is you did not reach or obtain the goal that you had aspired for. Winston Churchill, the great orator during World War II, made the statement, going from one failure to another without losing your enthusiasm, that's his definition of the word success. Going from one failure to another without losing your enthusiasm. And we can certainly relate to Thomas Edison, the guy that invented the light bulb, the guy that brought all of what we see in the electric world. I was told, I don't know how accurate the account was, but I was told that he tried 999 times to produce the light and failed. He went from failure to failure, but he never gave up. His enthusiasm kept him focused, and the thousandth time, if that's a true story, however many times he tried, but the thousandth time the light went on and he became successful. And aren't you glad this morning that he, he had a way of, of uh, 
manipulating electricity. I want to tell you this morning and look to your neighbor and say, God created me to be successful. Made in his image, made in his likeness, unique abilities were a little lower than angels, were above the animal kingdom. Humanity is above the animal kingdom. And God created you in his likeness and his image, and he told you to take dominion over the world, to rule over every living creature. We know there was a snag in the garden through disobedience, but there was a victory at the cross called obedience. And because Jesus took his life, everything the devil stole from you has to be returned minimum sevenfold. When you confront the enemy, I like the kids talking about warrior. When you confront the enemy, don't just know that God is for you, but God has your back. How many times have you heard that in the past 20 years? I got your back. God's got your back. Do you know where that comes from? Isaiah 58 and 8. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. God has your back today. You are not alone. Success, fame, many people just want to be famous. They figure if they are celebrated, that's their definition of success. Then there are those that see the success of power. They want to be in leadership. They want to be able to tell people what to do. And then they're the success of pleasure. I just want to have a good time. I just want to party. I just want to celebrate. Success is to achieve your goals in such a way that honors God, benefits others, and enriches ourselves. How incredible is that? Should I read it again? Amen. To achieve your goals in such a way that honors God benefits others, and enriches ourselves. That there is self-fulfillment. That you can have goals and destinies and purpose and things in life, and you can accomplish them one at a time, and you can be what God has called you to be and do what God has called you to do. God, Moses told the people, if you honor God and worship Him, you will be successful. And when they came out of Egypt, they came out with the wealth of Egypt. They borrowed from Egypt. They came out with silver and gold. And with the, with the financial riches of Egypt, they came out because they honored God. When I think of Deuteronomy 28 and 4, God said, Blessings, obey God, all those blessings when you obey God. When you bless God, God provides all your blessings. Take a moment to read Deuteronomy 28. It said, You'll be the head, not the tail. You will loan and not borrow. You will be above, not beneath. And that's what God promises us. If we are faithful and consistent to Him, He will bless us going in. He'll bless us going out. He'll bless us rising up. He'll bless us sitting down. In every area of your life that you give to God, God will bless and God will, God will provide and take care of. Psalm 1 and 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in his law, and of his light he doth meditate both day and night. Watch this. He shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers. His fruit also will not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Do I have any prosperous trees this morning that's planted by the river? The roots go deep, and they're enriched, and they're blessed by the power of God. Proverbs 16 and 3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plan will be successful. Look at that. Commit unto the Lord anything you do, and you will be successful. Joshua 1 and 8, Joshua had an inferiority complex. 
He'd served Moses for 40 years. They were getting ready to go in the promised land. God promised Joshua, you're going to be the one that takes and goes to the promised land. Joshua was having some challenges. God appeared and said, fear not, be not dismayed. But this book of the law thou shalt meditate both day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt be prosperous and shall have good success. Look at somebody and say, good success. I have friends in life that they are successful, but they're not happy. They're unhappy. You can be happy in the successes that God brings and God provides. Isaiah 1 and 19 says, If you be willing and obedient, ye shall eat of the good of the land. You shall have the best of what God has to offer. We're not second-rate citizens. We're not born in slavery or poverty. We're born with the ability to take back what the enemy has stolen and walk in the blessings of the Lord. Matthew 6 and 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What was he talking about? The meals that God provides the bird, the covering of the lily, the beauty of the lily. God said, if you seek me first, I'll add all these provisions. I'll add all these promises. I care about you. I've got your back. You are the apple of my eye. And if God has a wallet, your picture's in it. It's a good Photoshop picture. It's one of those good, good, where they, where they make all the wrinkles go. God has that picture of you in his wallet. And he holds up his hand in power. It reminds him that you are... Are his, you are his children, and you're the sheep of his pasture, and he takes care of his kids. Second John 3 and 2, Beloved, I wish him of all things, that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospereth. As you grow spiritually, you should grow financially. As you grow spiritually, you should grow mentally. The closer you get to God, the smarter you should become. Look at somebody and say, duh, it only makes sense. 1 Samuel 18 and 4, the Bible says that David was blessed in everything he did because he was the servant of the Lord. David was blessed in everything he did. There was a guy that was invited to his 25-year-old, 25-year class reunion. He wanted to go, broke, didn't really have money, raised the money went to the reunion, and there was a guy there that he grew up with, went to school with, pulled up in a Mercedes, got out wearing Armani, obviously had been blessed, obviously was wealthy, so they began to question him, how did you get your wealth? What, how, what, what made you so rich? And he said, well, he said, to be honest with you, I started going to church. I started going to church, and I met a girl, and I married her, and she was a church girl, so I got involved in church. So I started praying and talking to God. And one day the Lord just said, go to my word and I'm going to give you direction. So I went to the word and I opened it. I just let it fly and I put my hand down and it said bull. The next day my wife and I went to a state fair. We entered a drawing and we won a bull. So I went and borrowed a little money, bought a farm, started raising cattle and became wealthy raising cattle. He said one day the Lord told me to go back to the word let me make sure I got this right. <laughs> go, back, go back to the word and thumb through and, and stop. And there was the word oil. He did some investigation, did some inquiries, brought a pump out, brought a, 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 a pump out to his farm, began to dig, hit oil, became incredibly wealthy. And he said, one day I, I was just praying, the Lord said, go to my word. And I went to his word and it said, it said, wings, wings. 
I purchased a small airline, which right now is the number one airline in the nation, and that's how I got wealthy. And the guy said, you know what? i got to try that. It sounds like it works. So he took his Bible, he thumped through his Bible, and he stopped at chapter 11. So let's play that game. Ready? Ready? Judas went and hanged himself. Say it with me. Go and do likewise. How many knows that's a dangerous way to get direction from the Lord? A dangerous direction. This morning I have a three-step plan to pursue your inheritance. The first step, you gotta have a plan. The second step, you gotta have a purpose. And the third step, you have to have a product. You have to have a plan. Proverbs 29 and 18 says, where there is no vision, where there is no plan, where there are no blueprints, the people perish. You've got to have blueprints to, to be successful in life. I'm reminded of a, I believe they still call this church their home. They've moved away. But he was awarded a very good job at Life Care. Mish, you probably know this story. And, uh, very, and it could do the job. And Melissa, some investigation was uh, uh, researched. And it turned out he didn't have a, an associate of arts degree. He lost the job, even though he had the ability to do the job. Do you know what the difference is between an AA and a BA? Double salary. A BA will open doors and an AA or no education can. Do you know what a master's has over a BA? Double the salary. Because a master's will take you in areas of finances that you cannot pursue with just a BA. You know what a doctorate does in your life? It triples your salary. Hello? Where you can charge $250,000 for one open heart surgery. How scary is that? They never get paid for it, but at least they can charge it. <laughs> so it's important to have blueprints in your life that give you purpose and a direction that you are walking in. The attitude is not my will, but thine be done. Again, the success of David. David was successful because he identified himself as a shepherd, not as a king. Although David was the king of Israel, he made God his priority, and he made himself a servant to the things of God. In Psalms 40 and 18, I delight to do your will, O Lord. Your law is in my heart. That's the attitude of David. I delight to do your will, O Lord. Your law is in my heart. God will lead you if you're, if you're applying what you're reading. God's word speaks to us daily. It doesn't hurt to take a moment or two to hear what God has to say. Well, I have a tough time with devotion. I have a tough time reading the Bible. Read the chapter of Proverbs. There's a proverb for every day of the month. Just start off with Proverbs. Shut your, shut your Bible, sit there, don't ask God for a thing, and just listen. Open the window, listen to the birds, look at the beauty, look around, and just say, Lord, I'm just going to sit here a minute and let you give me a nudge or impress me, or there's something that you would like for me to do in my life. And God will lead us and God will direct us. Psalms 37 and 25, the steps of a righteous man are ordered. As you research that path, there are three things attached to that path. Number one, your steps are ordered by God. That's the same way a general gives his lieutenant directions for battle. Those directions will be carried out because the order has been given. The second step is that your steps have been ordained. 
I am an ordained minister of the gospel. I have the authority to marry. I have the authority, authority to divorce. I have the authority because I am ordained minister. There are several things that I can do. I can go into places of the hospital that you cannot go. I can go play. I can do things that you cannot do because of my ordination. And when you're walking the steps that God has ordered, God will ordain those steps and give the ability to go like Star Trek that no man has ever gone before. That's the way God wants you to walk. And then thirdly, as your steps are ordered and they're ordained, they are orchestrated. Zephaniah said, is that a joyous choir I hear? No, it's the Lord himself exalting over you in happy song. That when you walk this path, God's order is ordained it and God is singing over you. And let me tell you something, church. It doesn't get any better than that. Amen. Quiet. Psalm 37 and 3, delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. He shall give you the desires of your heart. Well, let me ask you a question. What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? What brings you joy? Don't waste your time. Don't drift aimlessly. Get a list. Get, get plans. Get direction. Get, get, get something that will motivate you in the direction you need to go. And don't ever say, I'm too old. Colonel Sanders was 67. His first retirement check, he cooked that chicken and sold it. 67 years old. No one in the building is that old except for Al. <laughs> so, so understand that. If Al is young enough to, 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 to invest in a business that builds rocks around the nation, then why can't you get invested in something? You're not too old to be what God has called you to be or do what God has called you to do. Secondly, purpose. After you have a plan, you have a purpose. Why do you want to do what you are doing? 1 Corinthians 10 and 31 says, Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of the Lord. Everything I do, I want it to bring God glory in my life. I understand that tithing puts God's first, praises puts God close, worship puts God in action, and, prepare, and prayer fulfills the will of God. Did not get that out of a book. That was this morning. God gave that to me just for you. Tithing puts God's first. You're struggling financially. I've said this, and I'll continue to say it. You can't beat God giving. And when God takes a portion and ordains it and blesses it, he blesses the other 90 in areas that you cannot, things you cannot do. God does that. Praise brings God right to where you are. Worship causes God to move in your behalf. And prayer, anytime you pray God's will, thy will be done, his will will be done in your life. David was a humble little puppet. Did you know that David's name appears more than any other single person in the Bible? 600 times in the Old Testament, 60 times in the New Testament, and the Star of David is now the flag of Israel. For 3,000 years, David's been dead, but they're still flying his flag of honor and royalty. Why? Because David put himself first, David put God first in everything that he did. Amen. David does not refer to himself as king, but as a servant. Psalm 116 and 10, truly. I am your servant. I am here to serve you. Psalm 24, and one lift up your heads, 
your gates, O lift up your everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? It's the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. He is the King of glory. David gave all glory to God for his success, all glory to God for his accomplishments. Everything that David did focused on the things of God. Why do you want to do what you want to do? My, my, I just wrote some notes down this morning for me. I want to be a better father. I believe the Lord has helped me raise godly kids. I want my kids to always know they can come to me, never to be afraid to ask for, ask for anything. And if I can't do it, I'll borrow money to do it. If I can't do it, I'll sell something I've got to do it. But I want to be a better, not just in money, you get my drift, not just in money areas, but I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better husband. Although I'm pretty close to 100%, there's still a couple of little areas in my life that I really need to work on. I want to be a better employee. I want to be a good steward of God's funds. I want God to trust me. If God can trust me with the $1,000 tithe, He can trust me with the $10,000 tithe. The year before we started this church, I've shared this before, I share it humbly. The year before we started this church, Pastor Ron and I received $175,000 in honorariums. One year. Which is some of the greatest churches in the nation. That particular year, we sowed $17,500 tithe only. Is that a scary amount? I would give God $100,000 if he gave me a million. Hello, I keep seeing these things on Facebook. If you got $3 million, I don't know if anybody's ever seen my post. If you got $3 million, if you won this, what would you do? And the first thing I put on there, I would tithe. I would give back to God what belongs to God and let him bless me. If God can trust you with a thousand, he can trust you with 10,000, he can trust you with a hundred thousand. There's no limiting God when you are a partner of his and you are the apple of his eye. I want to be, I want to be a better Christian. When people say I'm Christian, that's quite a confession. The word Christian comes from the word Christ-like. And for me on some days to say that I'm Christ-like, don't get it. I'm more like Satan's son. Hello, the daughter of Jezebel. Can anybody relate? There are days when I, there are days I would really like to say I'm a Christian, but today I'm kind of, I'm kind of not quite feeling up to it. I'm not being, but we did. Uh, Al and I were commenting the other day. Somebody pulled, and, and I'll, I'll tell you, you know, sometimes if it, if it wasn't for people, I would enjoy life a lot more. But we were at, we were at uh, McDonald's, and there was a long line, and there were two lines, and we all lined up back, and Al said, get in the outside line because it's open. Well, as I went to get in the outside line, there's about eight cars behind me, as I went outside line, this little white car pulled and cut me off and went, and went to the, the speaker thing. And so I rolled down the window and said, hey, well, they didn't roll the window down, but had they rolled the window down, I would have reminded them where the line was. So when we got to where we were going, I told Al, I said, Al, did you realize we did not cuss them? We did not salute them, the one-finger salute. We didn't, we didn't have an attitude. We didn't. Al, I'm getting a lot better in this road rage. But don't ever say that because then the Lord will send other idiots in your life that will pull right out in front of you. We had a car pull. I mean, she never looked. She never. And, and, and there was a nudge from the Holy Spirit. The somebody just said, watch her. And sure enough, she pulled. She never looked. She never saw. Had I not been paying attention, Al and I would be on the other side of glory this morning feasting with the Lamb of God. Hello. And sometimes that's not too bad. 
one of my favorite movies in life is Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. It's just, a, it's just a, a display of heroism and, and patriotism, just a, a powerful movie. But at the end of the movie, and I don't want to ruin it for you, but Tom Hanks is dying, and he looks at Private Ryan, and he says these two words, yeah. earn this. The movie starts with Private Ryan, older family, two or three sons, two or three daughters, daughters-in-law. He kneels, at the, he kneels at the marker, and he looks at his wife and says, have I been a good man? Have I been a good man? I want to live my life that one day I can stand before God, and God said, you were a good man. You did the right thing. The song says, I know the Lord will make a way for me. If I live a holy life, shun the wrong and do the right, I know the Lord will make a way for me. Sometimes doing the wrong thing is a lot easier than doing the right thing. But doing the wrong thing, the Bible says, the wages of sin are death. But doing the right thing, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm working right now on my eternity. I don't want to get to heaven and be broke. I don't want to go to heaven and be bankrupt. I don't want to go to heaven by the skin of my teeth. If you haven't brushed your teeth in three days, there's a film that forms on the outside of your, in that little film. I don't, I don't want to just barely make it in. I don't want God to go, heads or tails, okay, you're in. I, I don't want to, I want to go in and I want to hear him say, Henry Keith Davis well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little, faithful over few. I'm going to make you ruler over a lot. I'm going to make you ruler over many. That's my goal. That's my destiny. That's my purpose. That's my life. To live a holy life, shun the wrong and do the right, and hear him say, you done good. Yeah. Give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation, if you will. Sir Christopher Wren was a great architect and designed an incredible cathedral in England. And one day a guy was walking by, saw a bricklayer, said, hey, what are you doing? And the guy said, I'm laying stones. He walked past another guy who was building a wall, said, hey, what are you doing? I'm building a wall. Walked past another laborer, said, what are you doing? He said, I'm erecting a great cathedral. You can always be a stone layer. You can always be a wall builder. You can always be caught up in the little petty things in life that this is where I'm limited to. Or you can get the picture. You can get the vision. You can catch the big picture and say, I was born for greatness. I was born for success. I was born for favor. Now, I need to make the decisions that get me to a place where I can walk in God's favor and walk in God's blessing. We have a purpose. We have a, the desire to bring glory to God. Plan what is God calling you to do. Purpose will bring glory to God. And then the product. Let me ask you today, what would you like to accomplish? John 15 and 18, Jesus spoke in parables. He, re, he, resort, he related a lot to the harvest, a lot to the farm. And Jesus said, it's my desire that you would bear much fruit. We are to be fruit-bearing trees. He cursed the tree that had no fruit, but the tree that had fruit, he ate from that fruit. What are you producing? What, are you, what, are you, what results are you producing from your efforts? One of my favorite places in the store is the fruit section. I love fruit. 
and I love weird fruit. I love mangoes. I love papaya. I love, I love kiwi. I just, I just, I'm a fruit eater. I, I like, I'll buy fruit and it'll spoil. Pastor Ron will say, hey, your, your fruit's spoiled. And I said, I said, okay, I'll get on it and I forget about it. But I, I just like to go into the fruit section. Another favorite place is the meat section, especially the filet mignon and the T-bone. Can anybody relate? The reason there's a fruit section because farmers produce the fruit. The reason there's a meat section because ranchers produce the beef. What are you producing in your life? Two words I have here for you. Hard work. Someone said, well, smarter. Work smarter. Proverbs says hard work is the work that God blesses. And perseverance. What is perseverance? Hang with it until you reach your goal. Amen. Set goals that you can attain. What, can I, what goals can I attain? Make it to church every Sunday and Wednesday is a very good goal. Memorizing the books of the Bible is a very good goal. Being at church on time is a very good goal. Hanging around and seeing what you can do after church is a very good goal. There are little things that you can do. I'm, 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 I made up my mind this week. It will be put to the test Sunday. I made a commitment. I'm going to memorize the 27th chapter of Psalm. I know the first chapter... The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I know that verse, but I've made it a goal this week to memorize that chapter. Because when you memor whatever you memorize becomes a part of your brain, and the Word was made flesh, and I can literally turn the Word into flesh, and that Word can get a hold of me, and I can start living it and believing it and quoting it and doing it and see God really be my light and my salvation. Amen. Booker T. Washington. Born a slave, raised a slave. After the Civil War, the parents moved to North Carolina, and he pursued an education. He studied, he learned, he went on to birth a university. Booker T. Washington is one of the most well-known names in literature today because he refused to remain a slave. Even though he was raised a slave, he refused to go that direction. He walked as a free man and began to walk in purpose and walk in hope. And let me share a quote from him. Success is not measured by what one achieves in life, but rather it is measured by the obstacles one overcomes in the achievement of that success. We don't measure success by what you achieved. We measure success by what you went through to achieve that. What price did you pay? How much does it cost? I'll buy it. The time is all we lost. I'll try it. No, Time is valuable. Al and I were talking um, a little earlier yesterday, and we were just talking about favor and blessing, and I remember there was a particular meeting where I spoke at that meeting and uh, was given a $4,000 honorarium for about 45 minutes of speaking, and uh, the Lord said, I've, I've got you, I'm going to use you, I'm going to promote you, I'm going to bless you, and so I came home uh, thinking that I was going to make $4,000 an hour. It didn't happen, but it was a good thought. It, the 4,000 was fun while it lasted. But then Alan and I got to talking about sowing into people's lives, investing in people's lives. If you're not going to receive the counsel I give, I'm $4,000 an hour that God has put in your life that, that you can use me and get my advice and counsel. But if you're not going to follow my advice and counsel, I'm going to stop giving it. Anybody relate? So there's worth in your life. And it's not, well, man says I'm worth 19 No, man says I'm worth, no. What does God say you're worth? That's 
What, is, what value does God place upon you? God said you're worth so much and your destiny is so great and your purpose is so large. I'm going to send my son to die so that his blood will make sure you pursue all that I have for you. Amen. That's how valuable you are today. I ran varsity track my junior and senior year. I had a full ride to UCLA. It took me two and a half hours to get to UCLA. 20 miles. It took me two and a half hours to drive two, uh, two and a half hours to drive 20 miles. So I decided I didn't want to go to UCLA. I went to a law school instead, two years. But in, in the high school track, two of the events that were really to me, I was long distance. I ran the mile relay. I ran the mile. I ran the two mile. I was skinny and lean. I could run forever. And, uh, but one of, the, one of the events of the track meet was the hurdles. I was always impressed by the hurdles and the pole vault that you could run and just jab. I mean, that and just... I think at that time, the record was about 10 foot was like, that was really good in 72. I don't know what it is now. You may know how high, but 10 foot was really, uh, do you know, Miguel, how, how, how high? You don't know either? I don't either. That's the two of us. No, we're walking together in ignorance. You're not alone. I got your back. But that, that was always fascinating to me. And so the hurdles are the things placed along the way that you overcome but the, but, the, but the pole vault is something you acquire. You go after, you pursue. I'm going to climb. I'm going to climb over that pole. I'm not going to upset it. I'm going to set a new record, a new height. And that's what God is trying to do in your life today. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. We've already overcome a whole bunch, and what we learned yesterday helps us tomorrow. We walk today in the provisions that God has provided, and we walk today with the attitude of, I want to do better. There's a song that says, I want to know more about my Lord. And the more you learn about the Lord, the more you realize he's got your back and he wants to promote you and he wants to bless you and he wants to use you in the kingdom. Amen. In 1930, off the coast of Scotland, there's a chain of islands called the Eperdees. And one particular island is called the Lewis Island. And on that island, there were two women of God. One was 82, one was 84. One was blind. The other one had a horrible crooked back. I think it's called something stenosis, sciatic stenosis. But, but her, her back was so hunched over. But these two women decided that revival was coming to the Eperdees. They couldn't get to church, started a prayer meeting in their house. Word got out. People began to come. Miracles began to take place. That little island was impacted by that prayer meeting. They had a Bible they read from every day before they prayed. That Bible became their motto. They were living the word. They were praying. These two ladies one day confronted the pastor, the young pastor, and asked him, have you got all the sin out of your life? Are you ready to host a great move from God? He repented, said, I am, I'm ready. God began to bless. People began to come from islands away. It impacted the entire coast of Scotland. It was so powerful. In that particular revival, there was a young lady by the name of Mary Lou, Mary Ann. Mary Ann was an immigrant from Scotland. And Mary, Mary, Mary Ann met a young man there by the name of Fred. And she married Fred. And they begin to attend this fellowship, this Bible study, this prayer meeting. And there was a young man there by the name of Donald Smith. 
And Donald was such a blessing. He was, such, he was anointed. He was a man of God. The pastor used him to lead the Bible studies, to lead the prayer meetings. He did everything around the church there was to do. He served. He was just, he was a precious, wonderful, incredible guy. Well, Marianne and Fred have a son, so they name it Fred. They have a daughter, so they name it Marianne after the mom. Fred after the dad, Marianne the mom. Then they had another daughter, and they named her Elizabeth because they were interested in the story of Elizabeth and John the Baptist. And then they had a son, another son, and they were so impressed by the life of this Donald Smith working there in the church, young man that did everything he was asked. He was a prayer warrior. He was a Bible teacher. He was a leader. So they named their youngest child, born in 1947, they named him Donald. Today, Donald is the 47th president of the... 40 what? 46? 45th? Anyway, Donald <laughs> is the 45th president of the United States, and that Bible, that old Ebenezer Bible, is on the desk in the office of the Oval Office of the Government of the United States. How powerful is that? Back to disciples, in closing, not one recanted, not one gave, of, of, of the, not one recanted, not one gave up, not one turned their back on God. They all counted the cost, and on their epitaph were these words, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. How much does it cost? It will cost you everything. It will cost you everything. But in retrospect, the rewards that you receive for sowing everything are so phenomenal, it's not even debatable. We were in the theater a few months ago and there was something wrong with the audio and there was nothing happening and the people were getting restless and and everybody was looking around and so I just started singing this little light of mine I'm going to let it. okay by the time I got to the second verse I had 40 people singing with me and two were harmonizing can your life make a difference? Absolutely. What's it going to cost? It's going to cost you everything. But what are you going to gain? You're going to gain everything. Make your list small. Make your goals reachable. Don't say, well, I want to read the Hebrew language. You know, that's my goal. That's my, you know what? You may accomplish that. But to most of us in this building, that's an unattainable, impractical goal. Put a goal in life that you can reach, that you can become, that you can do. You want a better marriage? Find someone who's been married a long time and pick their brain and ask them, how do they go through the storms? How do they go through the ups and downs in marriage? Get people in your life that can speak your life. Get material into your hands that can bless you. Read the Bible, study, hear what God has to say. And I promise you'll be a better person. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed, if you've wandered away from God and you're here this morning, you're not where you need to be with the Lord and you know it, 
Pastor Hank, don't embarrass me, don't bring attention to me, but I'm just not where I need to be. If that's where you're at, if you just put your hand up, put it right back down, I'm going to pray for you. I'm not where I need, sure, is there another? I'm not where I need, yes, is there another? I'm not where I need to be. Father, you've drawn us together with your worship and praise. You've drawn us together with your word today. We are one as you and the Father are one. These hands that went up, let them know that it's not by works, it's not by acts, but it's by mercy and grace. Let them revisit mercy. Let them revisit grace. Let them realize that they belong to you. You don't make junk. You have a purpose and a plan for their life, a good purpose, a good plan. You're building a home right now for them in heaven. You know their needs. You know their desires. You know their wants. You know their longings. Begin to speak to them this week. Lead them to you. Begin to allow things to their eyes to be open and for them to feel your embrace and feel your presence and know you're near. Give them nudges. Give them little, little words of input. Give them little words of direction. Let them learn like a sheep to follow your voice and to follow no other voice but yours. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And they all said, Amen. Amen.